Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Let's start things out today with a look at how the city of Berlin reminds us of its tumultuous history. Berlin has become the high-tech and cultural powerhouse of today's dynamic German economy. But there are still plenty of Berliners who can tell you about the difficulties they faced back in the 20th century as a divided city and stories of life under the Nazis during World War II. We're joined now by German tour guides Holger Zimmer and Fabian Ruger to look at some of the most impressive monuments and memorials you can visit to remember the lessons from Berlin's past. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. us. To live in Berlin, as a tourist, you just come and go, but to live there, you're surrounded by all of this history and all of these memorials. When you walk down the streets, does it become just background and, and you just see through it, or are you constantly aware of, oh, this happened there, this happened there, and so on? Holger? It's part of everyday life, yes, but it's not like you kind of oversee it because it is there. It is right in your face. I've seen most of the memorials like many countless times as a Berliner, as a tour guide here, but they still are, some of them are really haunting, especially when it comes to divided city to the wall or to the time of the National Socialist period. And in the case of Germany with your complicated history, the memorials are almost there to not go away, to be in your face. I mean, there's even something called stumble stones, right, Fabian? Yes, there are memorial stones to victims of the Holocaust who were deported from particular houses and if you have a friend or relative who was deported from that house, you can donate some money to this foundation and they will put a stumbling stone into the pavement so for it's that person. In the pavement, in a like you need to trip on this to never forget the That's horrible right. thing that happened right there. When you think about Germany, a lot of us are fixated on World War II and the, and the whole fascist thing, but of course there's many layers of the city that was the leading city of, of the Prussian Empire and so on. Fabian, when you think about memorials of the Hohenzollern period in, in Prussia, what is there in Germany to look at, or in Berlin? I think the most visible that every Berliner will know is the Victory Column that's in the center of the main park, the right. Tiergarten. The Victory Column was built, you know, as a symbol of victory over the French. This is where history in Berlin connects. It was not originally standing on the spot where it is today. The Nazis moved it there to make it stand in a more triumphant spot in the very center of the city. It was originally built near the Reichstag building and was not looking quite so monumental there. Today, six major streets of Berlin lead straight towards this And this memorial. is not part of a big axis, isn't it? I mean, Holger, the whole city is built on this axis, which is yeah. lined by memorials. Really. The east and west axis, and really is this fascinating thing. You look up, and you see the golden angel there, and you think, wow, that's wonderful. And then you look close, and you see, wow, this is all cannon. It's made of cannons. French and cannons. It, French cannons, like as a... As a we um, have this Siegesbeute as... Um, spoils of war. Spoils loot. of war, yeah. 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 Loots of war. So it is a weird thing. If you, you would think, oh, that's nice, the golden Beautiful. angel, you can look but up it's, there. It's a little jab at the French. Uh, it's a big jab at the big French. Big jab there, at the yes. French. So the Germans beat the French. And of course, uh, in the next century, we've got the whole Hitler situation and a lot of memorials relating to the nightmare of Berlin being the capital of Nazism. What are some of the memorials that you'll see when you go to Berlin that way? What I found very haunting is the memorial to the burning of the books right near Unter den Linden, yeah. right near the State Opera House. And it's basically a memorial that you wouldn't really see because it's underground. And you would just maybe pass the square and you have no idea what it is. But then quite often you see kind of tourist groups looking at nothing really. And then you look there and it basically is a hole in the ground. It's a glass plate in the ground and you look down and there is an empty library like five by five by five meters, containing empty shelves for 20,000 books, symbolizing what was happening on the 10th of May, 1933, when the Nazis took all the books and the literature that they hated, that they didn't understand, that they didn't like, and were 
putting them in a big pile and burning them openly for people to see. And that's now, empty shelves are a very haunting memorial to that. And that's on a big square called Book Square. Bibelplatz. Bibelplatz, the Book Square. And it's facing Humboldt University. Yeah, which right, is right like the ultimate university for German culture. So many great thinkers were there, and this was symbolic of closing down that that open thinking. And, you know, I've been going to that uh, memorial for years, and it's always kind of glare and hard to see what's in there. But I went there at night last time, and it was lit up at night from inside. It was hauntingly beautiful. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm speaking with Holger Zimmer and Fabian Ruger. We're talking about memorials in Berlin. Fabian, what's a a powerful memorial for you from the Nazi experience? There is a wonderful memorial that I think works as a general war memorial because it shows us how people just disappear. It is in Große Hamburger Straße, and there was a bomb gap there. After the war, the whole house had to be removed, and it's simply a missing house. So you only have two facades of the neighboring houses, and onto these facades, a French artist put the names of the families who lived in the missing house on the sides of those. These are the names of families who also, some of them were deported, uh, some of them had to move away, some of them um, died during the bombing. So this gap, this house shows all the people that go missing. And that's a good example of how you walk down a street and you find this very thought-provoking memorial. But as a traveler, you need to be open to that. I was just uh, heading down to Alexanderplatz and I turned left down to a little street and I found a memorial dedicated to the women who stood up against Hitler to free their men. The Rosenstrasse, Tell yes. Tell us about that one, yeah. Kind of as a last stand, the Nazis were trying to round up the last remaining Jews. They were still in Berlin at the time, and the so-called Fabrikaktion, I think yeah. it was. And they basically took a lot of the men away uh, in some kind of police district, police uh, house, to be deported kind of the next day. And the women of the men, that's the legend, as the legend yeah. goes. There's kind of mythical uh, things about it there, and the history is not quite clear about that. But And that was like in the time where it These was very These were Jewish dangerous. men married to German women, yes. and the German women went to the Nazi authority. Went to basically like do a little riot out in the street and saying, listen, we want our men back, let them out. And that was like quite dangerous because Pretty at the bold. time, anyone who would not fear, just, just a joke could get you into jail or mm. like beheaded. So they were pretty bold at that. And actually, it looked like they were kind of, can't say what the Nazis were doing, but they were kind of tired of that. And they said, okay, Mm -hmm. we let the men go. But what I really find very, very haunting as well is the so-called memorial for the murdered Jews of Europe. You know, regardless whether you like memorials or not, once you're in Berlin, you should go and see it and and feel for yourself because it's like made of 2,700 big concrete slabs mm-hmm. and it's kind of a labyrinth you can go through like there's little small walkways you can go through it's kind of going mm-hmm. a little bit unevenly just... down and these concrete slabs are slightly tilted so whenever you go and it looks kind of like a gray thing at first you think well a couple of stones nothing big but once you go inside you suddenly even like we did it a lot with a group you have like a group of 30 people and once you go inside you don't see anyone anymore you're alone and that's feeling this feeling of not knowing where you are, not knowing what is reality anymore, not knowing where your friends are anymore, that is very powerful. And I think like the architect who built it and it was opened in 2005 really did an amazing job. And the interesting thing is it's very important real estate. It's right by the American embassy just beyond Brandenburg Gate. And it's called the murdered Jews. That was a, a very carefully chosen word, I think. It's not a memorial to the victims of Hitler. It is to the murdered Jews. What was the thinking in Germany behind that? There was a long discussion how to exactly name this memorial. The first impulse was to just call it the Holocaust Memorial. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, that would have a little bit brushed under the carpet that there were victim groups that nobody had spoken about yet. They would have been basically almost ignored. And at the same time, the first goal of the Nazi regime was to exterminate all Jews in Europe. Mm-hmm. And then the other victim groups would have followed. So this was an admission that we murdered the Jews. Exactly. That was and a big that, deal from the government's point of view to actually say that. And that sort of opened the door to making, rather than just putting everybody together, making monuments to other singled-out groups. Because just across the street from there, you've got the memorial to the to homosexual the, victims. Yes, and to the, to the murdered Sinti and Roma, Sinti the, Roma. The, what you call uh, the gypsies in English, in colloquial English. And when we think of uh, all of these memorials, there's one uh, little site that's not a memorial at all. It's just a parking lot nearby. Right. That's the site where Hitler's bunker was. And, of course, that's where Hitler died. It's merely a block from the... Memorial to the murder Jews. I've Europe. noticed that tour guides are taking their groups to this spot that's sort of intentionally undeveloped and, and just a pile of dirt. But there is a concern in Germany of not making it a memorial. It's a sort of an interesting dance. You don't want to ignore it, but you don't want to make it a shrine for neo-Nazis. Correct. What's but the thinking on the, the spot where Hitler committed suicide? Hitler's it, it was a back-and-forth game for the city of Berlin. Uh, first of all, they never would want to honor Hitler in any way. And therefore, they decided they would not even put an information board up. Mm-hmm. But then the uh, the World Cup drew near in 2006, and many, many tourists were going to this place at this point by local tour guides who, of course, knew where the spot was. So at this point, the city decided they would look like people who were trying to brush the history under the carpet by not putting an information board there, at which point there was a board put there. Then somebody else put a private museum up nearby, which the city then found a little too tacky. So that one has now closed again politely requested by the government. Because there's all sorts of business interests that would love to capitalize on anything about voyeurism, you know, and there's a lot of gimmicky stuff for this kind of history. Yeah, but the interest is there of people. They they yeah. want to see it, not because they like Hitler, but because no. they say, I mean, where did where, it all come to an end? end? Yeah, and there is quite a good uh, information board there. Holger and Fabian, you're both historians. When you think just in general terms, why so much stress on memorials in Berlin, Holger? I think it's not like stress on memorials and such. It's just like that's the way it is. Like you can't avoid it in Berlin. And I do believe, you know, it's these layers of history that everywhere are there and they're to be seen. And I think it's rightly so and very valid that we will engage with the parts of history that we don't like and the parts of history that are very painful for ourselves, for the German nation, for the German people, for the culture. I think it's it's quite important that we have them and keep talking about them because this is what we're we're facing. We, we, we need to move on, but we also need to know we cannot just kind of like say this didn't happen. I mean, you still see bullet holes in Berlin. That, these are powerful memorials as well. Mm-hmm. The only way to learn from your past is to learn from your past mistakes. If you only emphasize the glorious moments of your own past, not the things that you know, went wrong in history, then you are bound to repeat those mistakes. And I think this nationwide consensus Actually, it didn't happen in just one day. It took, I think, the Germans a decade or two after World War II to realize that that is what they just had to do. And by the mid-1960s, this consensus had become the dominant majority. It was kind of a breakthrough, I remember, when that happened. Uh, I was just starting to travel, and it was a very radical thing. We're talking about our difficult history. And as travelers, when we go to Berlin, we can get a huge dose of poignant and valuable history through the beautiful memorials of Berlin. Fabian Ruger, Holger Zimmer, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. 
This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.